0: Hi, and welcome to The Compass, the podcast documenting the struggles of life as an artist. I'm Leah Walsh. My guest today is Wes Grantham. Wes is a wonderful director whose work I've admired for a long time. We overlapped at the University of Evansville, and when I eventually moved to New York City, he was someone who was already used to the city and was collaborating and making work with friends. It was very inspiring. So I've really enjoyed watching him as he's grown his career over the years. He's also the artistic director of the theater company Crowded Outlet, which you've heard me talk about before on episode 32 with Chad Goodridge, who's involved with that as well. I hope you enjoy the 45th episode of The Compass.
1: Podcast is this the earliest you've done it? I
0: think so. Okay. But it's good. It's getting me started in my day, and then I'll be I'm up and I'll be productive. So nice. You. Okay.
1: Good. So,
0: how do you try to keep from going to the dark side as an artist?
1: Um. Well, this week I rediscovered running, mm-hmm. and I think that that that's been a way, like you know, earlier in my career, that I would keep from going to the dark place a lot. And somewhere along the way, maybe it was you know, the sort of juggling having a child and trying to keep a career going. Um, I forgot about running and uh, I I ride my bike a lot, but it's just not the same thing. It doesn't, it's not um, as intense in terms of cardio and you don't get all the endorphins going the same way. Mm -hmm. And so um, I'm rediscovering running and I'm learning that that starting my day that way is, is really nice in terms of keeping my head in a good spot and just keeping me motivated and, excited about the day as opposed to overwhelmed about the day or feeling yeah yeah Yeah. what what
0: does the dark side look like for
1: you usually um it looks like uh, lashing out at the wrong people (laughs) It, it looks like you know uh I'm pretty good at hiding it you know some people are uh, are surprised when I, if i when i do talk to my close friends about the things that i'm feeling they're like oh i had no idea um but i think that you know oftentimes if i'm working on a project or just stupid things around the house i'll you know blow up about something so dumb and it's just because there's this thing in my family where we just like stuff it down and stuff it down and stuff it down and then you know something's got to give eventually
0: yeah you know when you're working on projects there's just one director so there's a scarcity there
1: yeah yeah definitely Um,
0: and I know you came straight to New York after undergrad you didn't do grad school right
1: right right and so you've been here a long time and you've been building connections and doing a lot of different
0: things what do you find um kind of the balance between in the last 10 years like making your own work or trying to like work your way up the ladder within the system? Yeah. Has it been surprising to you
1: the way it's worked out? A little bit. I mean, it, it really does, or it has for me, it, it, I've had to generate a lot of my own work, even when I'm getting things produced um, through organizations like that. that, That's a long process of pitching a project to an artistic director or, you know, um, a producer and um, you know, they, they, Producers don't want to produce things just you know willy nilly. They really want to get to know you. They really want to to trust the the piece that you're creating. And um, so to get someone to to give a young director the reins, I guess I'm not so young anymore, but I was. Um, to get someone to give you the reins um, takes a lot of of, of work, and um, you have to really uh, you have to really make them feel confident in your ability to to pull the production together. And so that was something I didn't, you know, early in my career when I was, um, not my, even before I started my career, like in college, when I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do, I would just say like, I'm going to be a director. Cause I felt like I was surrounded by actors and I was not the best actor. Um, and I went, went to a school with a lot of very good actors. And so, uh, it became clear really quickly, um, that I should do something different. And so I started looking and, um, I explored dramaturgy and I explored sound design and, and it became clear that directing was really what I wanted to do. And in college I felt sort of, uh, I was like, oh, no one else really wants to do this. I mean, there were a few people, but for the most part, they all wanted to be actors. And I was like, oh, well, this is my little spot. And then when I got to n- New York, I was like, oh, yeah, for every production, there are, you know, maybe 20 actors or 10 actors or whatever, and there's one director. So the opportunities are. Um and it's a, it, it, the opportunities are, are fewer. And um, it's a thing that you, you know, people start trusting you to direct later in life once you've had some experience doing other things. So when I moved here, I did a lot of assisting and interning and all of that stuff to sort of work my way up and, and also figure out, sort of make it my own grad school and figure out what I wanted to do and yeah. um, find people to observe so I could hone my craft and figure out how I want to do it. Like, how do you get in the door to assist? Yeah, um, it's tough. It just happens, <laughs> like, networking... Yeah, networking and um, applying for all the fellowships and the the Drama League was um, a really great sort of gateway for me. And um, Williamstown is a a great way to meet people and um, and a great way to meet, you you know, expert directors and be paired with them. Um, The funny thing is um, my wife, who's an actor, um, was doing this um, show in San Diego right when she got out of grad school. So I was like just then starting to try to assist on sort of a higher level and I decided just to write to the the, the man who was directing um, the play she was doing out at the Old Globe. And, you know, this was, it, his, it was John Rando and he's a, you know, Tony winning director. And, um, I sent him a letter, you know, a paper letter oh. in the mail and, uh, I never heard from him. And, uh, and I, I, it's not because he's a bad guy, it's just because he's a busy man and I'm sure he gets a lot of submissions and I'm, I bet, you know, who knows if that paper letter even got opened, um. <laughs> But, uh, two, two or three years later I applied for Williamstown and the drama league and randomly they both paired me to assist John Rando. Oh my gosh! Yeah. So, so I, I worked with John for, uh, I don't know, three years. And then he started to, you know, I assisted him on projects of various sizes all over the country. And then he started to give me projects that he couldn't or push me toward things he didn't want to do or couldn't, didn't have time for, um, smaller things. And, um, That was a huge help in getting my career started.
0: What role has, like, partnering with playwrights played in your career? Because I know that's kind of always a great way for for actors or directors to kind of Yeah. You find someone whose
1: work speaks to you and you both appreciate each other yeah that 's been i mean that 's been a huge thing and um, there 's a writer named Matt Smart that I worked with a lot, um, especially earlier in my career and um, you know you really just find those voices that that speak to you the The tricky thing about that for for young directors is that you can work on, and this has happened to me, you know, you can work on developing a play, and then as soon as Manhattan Theatre Club wants to do it, you know, right. you have to make sure you're in a place and have the relationship that you're the person that they want right. to direct it. And I feel like for a lot of my peers, um, that's, that's happened to, you know, it's
0: the playwright wants the play of course. produced at whatever cost, even if they prefer if you directed
1: it. Yeah. And I feel like for directors that can be like the the darkest time yeah. when you, you put, you know, your blood, sweat and tears into something. And of course the playwright wants you to work on it, but they want to get their play produced. And and right you know, they have to do what they gotta do. And um yeah, but it, you know it's that's like the ultimate rejection when you feel like you've been like working on something and then someone's like, well not anymore. Thanks for thanks for getting it to this place and now this person's going to take over. Right. So, uh, can we talk about crowded Outlet? Yeah, yeah, I'd love to. Before, I know. yeah I mean Chad and I have been friends for a very long time, and we earlier in in our careers we collaborated together quite a lot and then he sort of um, went his way and started working on you know big things like passing strange and a lot of other stuff and um and I started working on projects where there just weren't um roles for him, and it just sort of was that way for a few years and Then one day we were sort of talking about life and our careers and the work we wanted to create. And we're like, wait, we, why aren't we doing something together? Um, this was very much a part of like how we, uh, like Chad was the first actor I knew in the city. Um, he let me stay on his couch when I was coming to interview for internships and things. Um, so he was really like my first like non-college connected friend in the city. And so we started talking a lot about the abundance of artists and um, and theatrical visions and aesthetics that exist in the city that that we don't feel get um, amplified the way that they they could or should and um, so we sort of made a list of artists that we really wanted to find a, a way to amplify their voices and um, give them a forum to either Uh, explore new work or maybe flex a muscle that they don't get to flex, um, like in an acting career or if they're, you know, a a writer that wanted to explore dance or or whatever it was, but just um, either flexing a new muscle or finding a form to have their work heard. Yeah, definitely. And I did ask myself at the beginning like does does like off-off Broadway really need another small theater company? Oh, no. And it's a good question, and I decided, yeah, it needs this theater company. <laughs> and um and so Chad and I have we've only been at it for I guess 7 months or so or 8 yeah. months. We've already done a lot. We have. We have. We've been I mean, people got really excited about it at the beginning and um especially the artists that we in- included in the Surge program, which basically um creates like a little platform or a springboard for work Um, a new different artist each month which was kind of an ambitious undertaking but one that's been really fruitful and I think that artists really responded to the fact that like oh you're just going to give me like a a month to um, and it's you know the month isn't all in the space but there's sort of a, a month leading up to a big day of exploration that might have a public um, presentation or might just be a rehearsal experiment that's private and for, for the artists involved.
0: Yeah. Cause sometimes you just need someone to like give you that deadline or something to, even if it's just for ex- exploring it's not like you need a finished product but then to get you
1: moving on a project. Yeah. And that's really what it's designed to do. And there are some artists that, that we have involved that have, um, things that they're developing for other organizations. And what we tell them is, you know, that's, that's great, but I think you should continue to develop those things for those organizations. And what we want to do is provide you an opportunity to, um, to explore something that no one's asking you to do. No one's commissioning you to write the, this one crazy play that's, like, you know, in your mind. Um, that's what we want. That's what we want to sort of give you space to explore and to start.
0: So you were directing it but how did you find the whole producing part of it and the fundraising and all of
1: that? um I mean it's not new to me really I mean uh, I was a part of a theater company called Slant Theater Project for a number of years and I still am affiliated with them mm-hmm. to some degree um they're all great friends but the um there was a lot of producing that I had to do along with them throughout the years and I was um, one of the artistic directors for 10 years and um so there was a lot of like growing together and figuring out how to produce on on uh, you know getting better and better at producing and fundraising and um raising production values and finding you
0: enjoy that side of
1: it? I enj- I en-
0: kind of
1: a means to an end. I enjoy it's I enjoy producing I don't enjoy doing all of it I'd like, I like producing in, um, and I, and I do as a producer, I, I tend to take on too much because I'm pretty specific about what I, what I want, even like what I think the emails should look like or, um, and so for a while, like with slant in the beginning, like I was doing all of the graphic design and, um, laying out all the postcards and, you know, things like that. And, um, I've, I've learned that I really enjoy delegating those responsibilities um, to to graphic artists um, and be, allowing myself to be surprised by what that what those images might look like or what they might um, see in a play or a way to advertise it and catch people's attention. So there are some parts of it I really enjoy. Like I really enjoy um, sort of figuring out the the plan um, for how we're going to um you know attack of production and especially with off off broadway there's it's 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 different because you're you don't have a space um everything is um like even just figuring out where to take out the garbage can be a whole (laughs) ordeal in this city and um and so what I've really enjoyed is working working with Chad to figure out how we can um, do those things better and smarter and greener um, because theater can be such a sort of wasteful business, especially when you don't have, like, a warehouse to store things. You you know, things have to, to go somewhere. In um, this most recent play that we, we produced... Um, Lone Star Spirits that was set in a a liquor store and there was a um, a working cooler like a beer cooler on stage and just like we didn't really think about Uh, What it would take to get something as simple as like a beer cooler into the space. But getting it in and out was like at at the end, it was the at the Fourth Street Theater and it's connected to New York Theater Workshop and um, people that go up to their, their offices have to pass through the little lobby. And so they were literally, when we were p- bringing this cooler out of the theater. Like the entire staff of New York Theater Workshop, just like standing on the stair stairway, like what marveling at this like crazy circus act that was getting this cooler out of the theater. There were pulleys and ropes and dollies and. Um, you had to bring it through that front door. Yeah, through that front door and down like those like six or seven steps. Yeah, oh, my goodness. yeah, it was. A, oh, those are those good like New York. Stories. Yeah, because, like, even the pizza men, like, wanted to, like, come and help out. Like, when they saw what we were doing, like, when we got out to the street level, people were like, holy shit, what are they doing? Oh, I, I, I don't know if I can say shit. Okay, great. Um, anyway, they were just like, what are they doing? And then they wanted to jump up and, and lend a hand. So, yeah, I feel like those are the moments when it's, like, you're producing and everything's a crazy headache. And then, and then you do it. And you're like, well, I, I did that. We, we did that. And it's all worth it. And no one died.
0: So your wife is an actress. You're both artists. We are. And you have a beautiful little boy. Thank you. So can I ask, can I just because Frankie and I want to have kids one day, I'm thinking about all these things. Like, how have you guys kind of deciding to be parents, working it out now with your life in New York City? How's yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean I've just learned to take it as it comes. When we first started um trying to have kids, I it happened really quick and we were very fortunate, but also I was I was especially very surprised. <laughs> <to prepare. laughs> exactly. When I got the phone call, I was like, "Oh," and I think I did hang up on Amelia. I think I said, "I'll have to call you back." <laughs> and I just took a walk and had to like be like oh this is really happening and not only I knew it was was happening within like this year hopefully but no this is happening now um and so I think I've just had to you know learn that that everything is gonna take adjustment everything is gonna take some flexibility and um my career is not the most important thing anymore and not that it, I mean my I've I've been sort of very career focused, um, and I still, I still am in a lot of ways, but, um, but now it, this, the priority shift and, um, it's okay for that to take a back seat. Um, because you know careers are long life life hopefully is long and everything will happen when it's supposed to happen and the last thing i would want is for to be one of those dads that's um you know never there yeah. or you know just off so i mean this is we're about on the brink of me going out of town for the first time and i'm going to pittsburgh to direct a, a musical and they're going to come with me which is really exciting but um it's a big you know, kind of adjustment for, for our family because we've never, like Rooney has always slept in his, his bed unless we were on vacation or something, but um, he's never been, like, away from home for a whole month. So yeah. that'll be... But
0: that'll be great that you're all together. Oh, definitely. I was going to ask how you guys um, deal with long distance, you know, when you're directing
1: regionally or something, but mm-hmm. this is the first time since he was born that you've had to... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, prolonged... yeah. and so we'll... For, this is you know i don't think we're going to do it that often but we'll see hopefully we'll get opportunities and we'll want to take them and we'll want to try to figure out how to make it work so um luckily pittsburgh in september i think is going to be lovely yeah. and i've been i've been really surprised what a like charming city it is yeah. um and so um no exactly exactly Yeah, and we were just looking at the map, and, you know, right across this bridge is a children's museum, and around the corner is another thing, so um, we're excited about this little adventure in Pittsburgh.
0: Can I ask between gigs how you guys manage, like, day job stuff?
1: Yeah. Um when I first moved to the city, I started at um started just doing creative coordination for a um a company that does like internal marketing. And um slowly I've sort of like this was like, you know, 15 years ago, but slowly I've um worked my way up to being a, a creative director for a number of um different production companies around the city. And so I freelance creative direct um, for internal marketing campaigns. What does that mean in layman's terms? That means <laughs> that if you are a corporation and you want to bring your company together or your sales force or, you know, there are different types of audiences for all, all different corporations. But if you want to bring your people together and get them excited about a product launch or or you know if it's just like a yearly meeting where you need to come together and talk about where the company's at and what the what the priorities are moving forward um you you usually companies usually do that um, and like in a big ballroom and there's a certain amount of production value that goes into these things and so i sort of i'm the guy that comes up with the i like the concept for that meeting like the what the graphics look like mm-hmm. um if there are going to be outside motivational speakers that happens occasionally, if there are going to be other, um, inter- if there's going to be other entertainment, um, just sort of figuring out like what the story of their event is. And, um, theater actually has, um, been, they, they love, these agencies love that I come from the theater because yeah, it, makes so much sense. It, it makes sense. And they used to call it corporate theater. Um, like when I first started, they're like, we do corporate theater. And I was like, ah, I don't think that makes any sense. I, that, that doesn't sound right. And, um, they don't, they don't really call it that anymore. They call it, I guess they, they call it, they call themselves a production company. Um, I define it as internal marketing because it, that's what it seems like, yeah. um, to me, but, um, but theater, it is a theater of, of a sort. And I've been trying to, like, really think about, um, like, sort of apply the, like, the rules of dramaturgy and, like, the structure of, of plays to these events just to sort of figure out a way to, like, break it down and make sure that we are um, telling the story that they, that this, com- the, this company or that company wants to tell and really creating an, an arc and an experience for their attendees the great thing about doing this kind of work is, that, you know, most of the freelancers don't have to be. I can do it from home yeah. for the most part. Um, and, and it's like event by event. Is it pretty
0: flexible? Like, like you need to leave for a month?
1: Yeah, it, I mean, you basically they ask you if you have time to take on an event, and they give you the sort of parameters. It's you know, an event of this size, and there are this, you know, there there are this many months until the actual event happens. So you can sort of like space out your time and know like oh yeah i can do this until october yeah. and then and then i can direct okay. a show in november or whatever That's awesome. yeah but
0: it's so connected to what you to your artistic life kind of yeah or it is the same tools, I
1: mean. yeah it, it it yeah it's great in that way it's sometimes it can you can get bogged down in it and uh because it 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 sounds more creative than it is sometimes, and I think that can be a little bit challenging because you feel a little stifled. As in, it's not it's not art that yeah, that stuff. Yeah, it's a lot of organizing. Yeah, it's a lot of organizing, and oftentimes when you have like a really great outside of the box idea, it's sort of like a a great glass of lemonade that someone just comes and keeps pouring more and more water into <laughs> until you just have water that tastes a little bit like lemon. I mean, I was the first person in my family to ever finish college, mm-hmm. so I think that they were just happy, and I and that was something that I wanted for myself. I wasn't really, I wasn't really pushed to go to college. It was something I always knew I wanted to do, and so I think that they are all just happy for me, and they were willing to let me explore whatever I wanted to explore, and just sort of trusted me to to figure out the financial aspect of it all, and. And that's and they they've been very supportive and they've you know earlier in my career when I've needed help and they if if they could provide it they they would um, so that's been nice but I you know they come to shows they enjoy um, they enjoy the shows or at least they say they do <laughs> I mean there is some there are sometimes if like working on Shakespeare or something like my you know my mom or dad uh, would say like oh she fell asleep or he fell asleep. <laughs> um, so you know they don't they don't get it all, but um, but they try to. That's nice.
0: Yeah. Do you see yourself uh, staying in New York long term?
1: I think so. I mean, I love I love raising Rooney here. Yeah. Um, it's been it's been really fun. His favorite thing is to to go to the choo choo, which basically just means we go down to the subway station, and he watches the trains pass. And he could do that for 20 minutes or or more. We only sort of let him stay down there for like 20 minutes to watch, a, you know, four or five trains pass, and then we go back up. But um, but that's sort of great that, and he gets on the, when he gets on the subway. He's so excited about the people, and he he's really like open and wanting to connect with the people that are that want to connect with him. And um, I think that's really important because I didn't have that experience growing up. You know, I lived in a cul-de-sac, and you know, and so the only people I really came in contact with on a daily basis were either kids at school or you know the people the neighborhood kids. Yeah. Um, and we have a really great network of friends here that I really want to to know Rooney as he he grows up. In terms of the career stuff, sometimes it's like totally it it's it feels totally insane to me that we live in a city that costs so much and that we insist upon that you know we we pretend that the artists get paid enough to to live here when it's just absolutely crazy. So sometimes I think about um like that is there a way it, is there a way to um to find another place to create the art you want to create but also keep a home base here I, I don't even know if that makes sense i've been thinking about it a lot lately because for all of the um life stuff i i like living here for a lot of the career stuff um it feels insane so <laughs>
0: Yeah. Still in your life
1: in a big city like this. You're very lucky in that way. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And I think that that's been um that was a huge help especially early on and now it's it's funny because there are some people we're still close to from college and some people were not as close to. And like with you, like we're closer now than we were in college, which is is great. So but I sometimes I forget that you like, you know, who's from the same college or not, you know. <laughs> so it's that's kind of a cool thing cuz I don't ex, I don't introduce people that way, you know, now if I'm like with friends, I don't say, "and this is my friend from college." You, you know, this yeah. is so
0: becoming more of a fad, but it's something that I've always enjoyed doing as an actor. Yeah,
1: I I did, especially early in the career, like, uh, out of necessity, I directed a Shakespeare play on a a boat that was docked on the Hudson. Uh Um, which was a lot of fun and i mean the actors i think hated me by the end of it because <laughs> the boat smelled um of like rotten oil it's a, it's still there i think they redid it it's called the frying pan it's like a oh, yeah. a big red light ship and yeah it used to be run by these people that didn't know what they had um it was w- there was a little bit of a bar attached but um it was basically just an old like rusty boat sitting there this
0: was before it became like the office workers happy hour
1: yeah yeah, yeah. One day we we're doing a performance or a rehearsal or something, and we got kicked off because Bon Jovi wanted to do a photo shoot, and so like it was just used for like random things like that. Um, and I don't even know that they charged us very much to or anything to to use it. Anyway, that was a you know a time when we were i basically just like i was at an office job and i went on my lunch break and just walked to the river in the rain and saw this boat i was like yes i wanted to direct a show here this summer and and figured out a way to make it happen i find i do that i i I walk around the streets and i see spaces that seem interesting and i kind of like you know have a fantasy about what it would be like or what play would i do there but i don't actually like go and knock on the doors anymore and and ask like can I use this space to do this crazy thing I have in my head? Um, I should. Yeah, you should. I feel like in New York, it's one or the other. It's either like people are going to gouge you for all the all your worth to, right. to let you
0: use their space, or you find these magical uh, opportunities for them. Sure.
1: Yeah. That sounds like fun. Yeah, yeah, and I feel like it's happening more. The mm-hmm. found space. Um, environmental theater is happening more and and more and so i guess it feels a little less interesting to to me um not that i don't I'm not interested in seeing it but i feel like it's it's it it can feel like a gimmick um so i guess i would just want to make sure that i was finding you know the right space and pairing it with the right piece um yeah that it's a
0: motivated choice and it's not just like a marketing yeah something.
1: Yeah, or just financially driven. Like, I think that that, you know, because, like, if it's less expensive, because the black box theaters in the city are ridiculously expensive, and there are some organizations that are making them affordable, but there are few, and the the good ones go quick. So a lot of times when you try to plan a production, you look around or, or start making phone calls, and, you know, things are booked. The good spaces are, like, booked for the next year, year and a half. You Um, I really have enjoyed working at here. I feel like that's a place where you actually, um, it's a nice space. It's, you know, got some nice amenities that audiences enjoy and, um, it's a great location. It's, um, and it's not, it's really affordable. They, you know, you have to apply and it's, it's kind of a curation process, but, um, but they really treat you well, and they really value the artists that come through there. Also, we were just at the East Fourth, or the it's called the Fourth Street Theater on East Fourth Street. But um, New York Theater Workshop runs it, and and um, they they were really great to us. And um, I know that they have some plans to to renovate that space in the near future. Um, I kind of
0: love that there's like several little theaters right on that part of the block. Yeah. Right. So
1: Yeah, yeah, and I feel like those things, ex- those kinds of downtown, like, um, theater districts, like, exist in other cities, or at least, maybe I'm just thinking about, like, when I've spent time in London, like, there's a whole building where there are, like, four small theaters, and these people are creating all different kinds of theater, and, yeah. and East 4th Street does feel like that. Yeah, with
0: La Mama, and there's some other new little spaces right
1: Yeah, um, Yeah, yeah. Definitely. And when we were doing, uh, Lone Star Spirits, there would be times, and there's also, like, the Red Room and KGB, mm-hmm. and, um, so on one side of us was Town, sort of rocking out at a New York <laughs> Theater Workshop, and on the other side, um, was, like, a burlesque show where, like, people were, Prince, I think, had recently p- passed or something, and so they were doing, like, a Prince-inspired burlesque show, and, um, so like that was kind of even though we could like sort of hear them through the walls like during our play it was okay because it was like it just felt like like yes i'm seeing a play in new york city and there are lots of things yeah there's a big community and lots of things are happening all around you and it was sort of a great kind of celebration of of what crowded outlet wants to be is you know sort of celebrating that abundance of of aesthetics and Um, let me think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in, in, I. Ooh. It's a trickier one. Yeah. Well, there are. It's really easy to get down on yourself, and this yeah. in the city. And I think that um, you know, when you're when you're constantly having to put yourself out there in in interviews and pitching projects to different people, it's really easy just to I mean, you know, actors feel it obviously more often than directors because they're going in for auditions constantly and, you know, that's just a constant, like, string of rejection um, mm-hmm. with a few like, you know, <laughs> bright spots um, but, you know, we feel it too when we have to go in and, and are constantly trying to convince people that we're We're, you know, smart enough, bright enough, um, you know, capable enough to, to direct something. And, um, there are oftentimes you're talking to someone and you're really excited about something and they just sort of glaze over or something, um, and so i've had to like teach myself to just to to go in and and be me and not and not to have a chip on my shoulder not try to be what i think that they want me to be yeah. and not overthink it and just just be myself and and pitch the project or pitch myself for a job that um in a way that makes sense and feels natural and not not forced in any way and i think the the thing that taught me that Um, and it was, a. it happened several years ago, but I was interviewing to assist, um, James Lapine on a project. And, um, I was really sweaty because it was like a warmer day. It was like, it was the fall, it was November, but it was like a warmer day. Um, and I, I get sweaty, especially if I'm nervous about things. And so I'm in the elevator and I'm just like perspiring like crazy and I'm trying to wipe it off. And so I get to his, his, the floor where his office is and I, I go in and. I just can't stop sweating and his, his office is so pristine and, and wonderful. And I sit down on the couch and he sees me kind of like mop. He's trying to talk to me and look at my resume and we've never met. And, um, he's trying just to like do the interview thing. And then finally he realizes that I'm sweating profusely and trying to hide it and goes, would you like a paper towel? And I was like, uh, yeah, sure. I, maybe that's a good idea. And so he gives me a piece of paper towel and, and I, you know, the interview goes on, I mop my brow and, and I eventually calm down and stop sweating. But I leave the paper towel on the couch on this, in this beautiful office, <laughs> this sweaty rag without thinking about it. I say bye to him because the interview had gone pretty well. Yeah, And I go downstairs and I get around the corner and I'm standing outside of Dwayne Reed and I realize oh, my God, I left that sweaty rag on that man's couch. And so I was i was like, "Well, I lost that job. But then I was like, no. And so I called him. I, and uh, at first his, like, office answering machine picked up. And then when he heard me, like, babbling about the sweaty rag, he picked up and he goes, would you like it back? And I said, no, I just wanted you to know that I'm not that kind of, I'm not the kind of person that would leave. Like, I realize that, that I realized that that happened and I'm really sorry about it hung up. Um, He didn't hire me for that job, but we did work together later on on several projects. Um, But I really do think that the reason that was such a me thing, like neurotic kind of me thing to do, to like call and explain myself, and um, it it resulted in me working with James on a number of projects. I think that's why he he remembered me because I was that weird dude that decided to call back about this stupid (laughs) piece of trash I left on his couch.
0: Yeah, and just to be comfortable with, like, this is who I am. Yeah. All right, great. Well, thank you for sharing that with me. When you are in this space where you're going to the dark side and feeling uninspired or frustrated, are there any concrete things that you reach for again and again, like a book or an activity or something? I know you mentioned running.
1: Yeah, I mean, running is definitely a a thing I'll – I mean, I sort of had the idea to um, create Crowded Outlet when I was – Running, um, because I almost got hit by a car, and yeah. um, and this car just like uh, the I, I live in Queens, and that sometimes people just run stop signs. They just don't think stop signs matter, and so um, I, this car ran a stop sign, and and like if I hadn't stopped like and i don't even think he saw me at all like I, he just kept driving through the stop sign and I, anyway and so i sort of like uh had this moment where it was just i was sort of like shocked and sort of like take like taken out of myself for a moment and um woken up in a way and i started to, to think think differently about what i was up to um in my career and had the idea for crowded outlet on that run but um which is just kind of a random thing, but so running has been a thing that um, will just sort of wake me up and get me thinking in a different way, with or without getting almost hit by a car, <laughs> and um, and then yeah, I, I mean reading. I, I read a lot of uh, fiction. I, I really think that I'm um, you know classics or or new fiction is just a way to sort of like bring me to a new world and get me excited about storytelling again and the, um, the different ways in which we can tell stories. Um, and also nonfiction. I mean, reading is a great, a great way. It's not a certain book or a certain author. Um, sometimes it's just finding a a topic that is interesting to me at the moment and reminding myself that, um, if you, if you just like turn your brain off and allow yourself, allow someone to take you on a journey, um, something might, might come to you that you weren't expecting. Yeah.
0: And then lastly, is there anything that you've seen recently that you want to recommend?
1: What have I seen this summer? Oh, I mean, it's not really a recommendation because it's already closed, but uh. I was really surprised how much I enjoyed the, um, um, Troilus and Cressida and, uh, Central Park mm-hmm. Uh, this this past summer um, I've never
0: seen it produced
1: before I had neither and um and uh, but like the fighting like especially in the I, I, the whole second act was like an action movie and I was just so impressed and I've I've worked with um Rick Sordelet over the years when I've assisted on different projects and mm-hmm. um he's certainly someone I'm always like uh in awe of but what he what they achieved with these like war sequences and fight sequences were just like like magical I mean they were like gritty and and violent but also like so artfully crafted that I was just like oh this is like really amazing stagecraft at work here Um, like working on a number of levels and making a play that no one you know most people wouldn't touch really accessible to a lot of people Um, so I was really maybe that's the last thing I've seen I don't get to go to the theater much because I'm a parent (laughs)
0: podcast i'm leah walsh more episodes are coming soon please look for us on facebook and itunes i'd like to thank the following people for their generosity the compass cover art is by kim miller music by brendan spieth audio assistance from nick choksi and a special thanks to frankie j alvarez see you next time